Sander Masser, I welcome you to Exit Strategy. I thank you so much for joining me. As a quick introduction for the listeners, Xander is the author of the recently published narrative photography book called Unburying My Father. Xander's father, Randy, was very much a celebrated photographer who died in the year 2000 when Xander was just a teenager. And Randy died after contracting HIV from contaminated blood used to treat a bleeding disorder. So compiling the book after the discovery of your father's works really led you, Xander, on a journey of discovery and grief and, I hope, some healing. So one more thing I'm going to say, and that is full disclosure. Xander, you know I knew your dad very well. He was a gift to all who knew him. And his loss is still felt very deeply by, by many people. I want you to talk a little bit about your dad and his life. So my dad, he was a professional photographer. So he had about a 25-year career. He actually started out his career shooting the Albanelli Dance Company. He did uh, New York City street photography. He did family portraits. He had a really uh, prolific career. He was also born with a bleeding disorder called hemophilia. In order to treat hemophilia, historically, people with that disorder would receive blood transfusions. And as you stated in your introduction, the blood supply in the U.S. was contaminated with HIV. And my father was one of 10,000 people in the U.S. alone that contracted HIV. And he lived with it for about 15 years or more. And he died from AIDS-related illnesses uh, on January 6th of 2000. You know, as far as who my dad was and his personality, he was what I would describe as a universally loved individual. He had this subtle but magnetic personality and just super personable and very laid back. I'll read like one or two quotes from the book. These are quotes from people that knew my dad, that loved him. um, And, you know, I'll describe later on in the interview how I collected all these stories and kind of put the project together. And this is from his roommate at the time in the, in the late 70s, a friend named Tony. And Tony wrote, Randy used to lean on the windowsill of our apartment, several floors up, look down at the people walking by and just start talking to strangers. One time we drove up to Boston and we hit some traffic. Randy rolled down his window and started talking to the guy in the car next to us. And he said, here, And he gave the guy an apple just out of nowhere. That's just who Randy was. He would just connect. That's who your dad was for sure. You were 14 and I believe you were with your dad the night he died. When a profound loss takes place, it really has the ability to define our lives. It is the defining and pivotal moment of my life where it's like my life before and my life after. And, you know, life after has taken on many different phases in terms of what my grief has looked like. After all these years of living with grief, it's finally starting to to soften a bit. And that's a direct result of putting this project together. When you found these photos or when you went on this journey, was there intention 
in looking for the photographs or was it accidental? It was about 10 years after my dad died. We still had the house in Chappaqua and my brother and I just decided, let's just go into the basement and see what dad left behind. We didn't know what to expect, but it was astounding. Imagine 10,000 individual slides. We just started holding them up to the light, just like that. Immediately, we were both like, wow, these, these photos are just so incredible. And at the very least, we, we should just share his photography with the world. It was a very broad goal and it was a very vague goal, but that's what we wanted to do. I was living on the other side of the country. My brother had his own life in Boston and it just didn't really come together. You know, we talked about it every once in a while, but it was hard because physically we were away from the photos. Fast forward about another 10 years almost, I went to New York and I grabbed all 10,000 slides. It was like, I'm going to take the pieces of my dad home with me and put them back together. And I scanned every single one of them, all 10,000. Simultaneously, as I was doing this and seeing all the photos, I thought to myself, well, I really want to share these photos. I think they're incredible. But my dad wasn't a famous artist. How can I make this a, a broader appeal? And I thought, well, I just need to share his story. And that kind of sparked my thinking that, wow, I really actually don't know all that much about my dad in general. You know, hmm. I was 14 when he died. We didn't speak as peers. You know, I was very much a, a kid and pre-adolescent. And so what I did was I compiled a list of everyone I could think of. I just asked them questions about my dad. I, I wrote out probably 30 different prompts to get their memories flowing. And I asked them to share stories with me and I didn't want them to hold back. The sex, drugs, rock and roll and everything. I got just such an astounding, incredible response. I spent weeks and months where I cried every single day reading these stories. Sometimes there were tears of joy or laughter, often sadness, just you know, a feeling of missing him and longing for him. And even just that emotional experience of crying every day because I'm a stoic person and I don't show my emotion and I, I learned to hide it. I realized afterwards how desperately I needed to do that and just to feel something. Yes. But then came the time for me to share my story. Where do I fit in with these other people who knew him? And, you know, where's my chronology with his life? And that's where the real shift with this project occurred, where it was like, this is now actually a project about me also. I'm opening up about my grief, my trauma, and I'm reflecting on it deeply, more deeply than I ever have. And that has come through storytelling. Just putting them on paper was so cathartic for me. It came out, you know, and it came out quickly. And so I'm really rolling with that in terms of where this project is going in the future. The book, Unburying My Father, is not only a testament to your father's creative work, but it's almost like a map. Tell me what you want people to take away from the book what I want readers to take away is one is that grief is a forever process. It does not go away. It changes, it evolves, it goes left and right, up and down. 
the way it changes is what we decide to do with it. While my story is very personal, I do think it's universal in terms of what it's like to experience a loss, even procedurally, just like what it's like to see your deceased parent in a coffin. There's probably a lot of people that can relate to that experience. And so I want people to know that it can be healing to share that information with, with anyone. It doesn't have to be in a published book. You know, it can be with a friend or however people want to share, but also the power of creatively sharing, which can be done in, in any different way. But by memorializing the people we've lost, we get to flex our creativity while at the same time celebrating somebody that, that we've lost and, and in a way getting to know them. I think the major takeaway is that for anyone who's experienced a loss or is going through it or even anticipating it, in my experience, and again, this is only revelations and realizations I've had from doing this project, is that in grief work, we must prioritize life. I didn't really experience so much of that. I experienced a bit. Personally, I focused so much of my mental energy on trying to figure out what does it mean that my dad died? What's the impact that his death has had on me? That's what churned my brain for 20 years. By learning about my father's life, I realized how much more impactful his life has been on me than his death because learning all of these stories and memories about him, I saw myself in so many of them. That was like an aha moment for me multiple times over. The pivot from death to life is a major takeaway that I hope readers get when they go through this book. I'm so happy you use that word pivot and how beautifully you express that. Because so many of us, as we're on this path of grief, we forget the life that was lived. What do you think got you through the immediate moments after your dad died? And those were such formative years. I remember sitting Shiva for a week, and I'm sure you were there. Even though it felt overwhelming during that time, I never felt lonely. I was super grateful for the people that came, you know, especially a few friends who came every day. I was actually pretty surprised at how quickly I was able to kind of return to a quote-unquote normal life. Going back to summer camp, which was so normalizing for me and just in terms of, you know, that was something I always looked forward to. Just living normal teenager life helped in those moments. Moving beyond that, I did go to therapy. I went to bereavement groups. In retrospect, I don't think they were all that helpful for me. I just wasn't willing to share. In doing this project, one of the things I learned and realized about my father and his life is that there was a piece missing when I received all of these stories. Nobody ever said anything about him talking about his fear of death, his anger at his you know HIV infection. One of his very close friends even told me that my dad deliberately avoided the topic. And my mom also said similar things that my dad's wish was for our home to maintain positivity. And, you know, what that looked like for us was that my parents told us that he had AIDS when I was about 11 and we never once talked about it again until he died. And that's a long time to, you know, open up that can and then 
and then never go back into it. Mm-hmm. It's a long time. That silence and that stoicism, again, these are these are realizations that I, I've had recently, is what was modeled for me. And I totally took that on. And I totally internalized it and made it my behavior. And I glossed over anything that could have come close to a conversation with somebody about my parents or my dad or his death, even though deep down, I so, so badly wanted to talk about it. I just couldn't. I had no idea how. I did not have the tools, did not have the language, and I wasn't comfortable. And so I didn't do it. 20 years ago, people did not embrace end-of-life conversation at all. Today, that might be different. I can simultaneously feel super angry about how silent we were and also completely empathize and have compassion for my parents who had a, an impossible situation. I believe it's possible to speak to children about difficult topics as long as we adapt it for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that silence is helpful, but I understand why it went down the way it did. And it's been really important for me to just have these these realizations. And it helps me to redeem my past a bit. It really will inform how I move forward as well. What do you think has been the most challenging aspect of the grief process for you? And even so today, what do you do to support yourself in those moments? Right before this book was released and when I kind of started opening up about this, that was a major challenge was just sharing this vulnerable content. For example, in October of last year, I was a keynote speaker for the Hemophilia Federation of America. They had a virtual symposium. And that was my first time really public forum, taking people through my process and sharing a lot of the vulnerable stuff that is in the book. I had this visceral experience about 10 minutes before it was time for me to speak where I was lying in bed, curled up and hysterically crying. It was the first time I think I can ever remember feeling almost like this day I found out, the moment I found out my dad died. It was so hard to feel that again. And this time I had my wife with me and she was supporting me and she got me through. I got out of bed, I went to the computer, and I gave my talk, and it went well. As I've delivered more talks and workshops, it's gotten easier. So I would say that that challenge has eased a bit. The kind of like breaking the ice of sharing the way that I am was a super, super hard challenge. And the benefits are equal to how challenging it was because now I feel how I feel so much lighter. Going back in time, For me, the biggest challenge of grief was feeling like I had no clue how to talk about what I went through and how I felt, but so badly wanting to do it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do it with my friends. I wanted to do it with a therapist, which I tried. I couldn't do it. It was just this years long, decades long challenge that just kind of never went away. I felt sad. I lived a normal life and I, I've had a very privileged life and it's paired with like this just low grade sadness that just Mm -hmm. existed for a long time. And, you know, it still comes and goes, but keeping it inside and, and keeping it silent was the biggest challenge. 
Talk about how this experience has informed you as a parent. Clearly, it has. My daughter is 14 months, so we're not exactly having a deep conversations yet. Yep. But, you know, moving forward and looking into the future, and, you know, something my wife and I definitely talk about regularly, which is just having a really open communication with our child. That doesn't mean that we tell them everything that's going on at all times, but it also means that we don't necessarily withhold information. I want to actively communicate to my child what is going on, why it's happening, and how it's going to be resolved or providing her the concept that even though right now things might be challenging, it doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever. Mm -hmm. And what's helpful for that is just talking about it. That's one thing. Another thing, and this is something I've taken from my dad, which is that my dad didn't talk about his grief and his anger and his challenges, but I very much believe that he channeled all of that into his photography. And you can see it in his photos. There's so much emotion. It's so human, his photos. I really think that he was putting a lot of that into his creativity. And I want to encourage my children to be creative and let them know that if they need to express something that they can't necessarily do with words or can't start with words, find a medium. And I want to create an environment where art, music, photography, whatever it is, is valued, it's important, and it's encouraged. And then we can take the next step and say, well, what does this art mean to you? I love how you use the word channeling, mm-hmm. right? And and I think about you channeling your experience into this space of grief. Do you think that you will get more involved with this work? I have delivered talks and workshops around the U.S. and Canada. And that's something that I very much want to continue doing because it's really powerful for both for me and for the audience to deliver this talk, which is very vulnerable. It's a real expression and story of grief and people can relate to it. These people don't know who I am. They don't know who my father was. And it's really powerful to have any impact at all on strangers. With the workshop, which couples greatly with the talk, What I've done is I've broken my creative process down into 10 concrete steps. It's a grief workshop where at the end of the 10th step, participants will have a roadmap for how to create memorial art. So they use their creativity. My project turned out as a book and, you know, a couple other things, but for somebody else, it could, it should look totally different. What we'll have in common is that we will honor and memorialize someone we've lost. And so... I love doing the work. I see myself continuing on into the future with this work. Sander, you have certainly unburied your father. It's a perspective that you gave us, which has to do with grieving and honoring and remembering. So I just want to say that for any of our listeners who want to dig a little bit deeper, Sander's website is www randymasserphoto.com and it's also going to be listed in our show notes. Thank you for all the work, really the work that you put into this project that has truly enriched your life and will enrich the lives of many, I'm sure. 
Well, thanks so much for having me. It was a, a real pleasure to speak and to catch up and to see you again after all these years. As the host of Exit Strategy, I thank you for tuning in to what I hope was an informative and illuminating conversation. I urge you to visit our show notes and there's an email listed there. So if you have any questions, send them my way. In the meantime, please share this episode with anyone you know who may be interested and subscribe to Exit Strategy. Wherever you listen to your podcasts each month, we'll renew our conversation with another topic and I'm really happy you're along for the ride. I'm Stephanie Gary, and this is Exit Strategy. Thank you.